You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. It is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. I'm your good buddy, Joey O'Brien. And I'm Troy. Baseball's back, LaValley. Baseball's back, baby. Tomorrow's opening day, my friend. It's a beautiful day for a game. Let's play two. <laughs> Let's play two. <laughs> Open the season with a doubleheader. Man, back in the day, <laughs> Professor Tom's. It just gets me juiced up. The idea, The memories of youth. Heading out to the bar ski, sitting down, grabbing a pitcher, a couple wangs oh, at man. like noon on a work day. Then go, then go back to work. And then go back to work, beers. sloshed. Uh, yeah, Never had go to back. drive. It was so easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just walk back to the office, have clients coming in, smelling your breath. <laughs> <laughs> you smell like Miller Lite. Oh, man, those were the fucking days, though. So people are listening. We've probably talked about this before. There was a little bar in the East Village um, called Professor Tom's. It's still there, as far as I know. And it was a Red Sox bar and, like, Michigan football and uh, mainly a Boston sports bar, but also Michigan. And uh, – I would go there for opening day every year to watch the Red Sox whenever I was in town. Uh, sometimes I'd be like in Boston and the Sox were away and I'd go to like a bar outside Fenway. Uh, this is before I had kids and you could do whatever the fuck you wanted. Um, and so I remember there was one year where you and, you and your, uh, coworker, Matt Ambrosia just strolled in on your lunch break. It was like me and a couple other guys that were, you know, didn't have jobs like you guys. Uh, you know, we were freelancers. Know. It was so heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because it was like the third inning, maybe max, <laughs> max third inning. And we had been there for like two hours. <laughs> It was like, we really should get back to work. And like, your day was just starting. You were like, see ya. And I was like, these freaking actors, I can't stand them. Had to get back to the, back to the office, the old nine to five. So yeah, anyway, baseball is back. Very excited for that. Not excited for this FOD. I am. I am sick to my stomach. Really? Fodder. Yeah. Are it's you physically be ill? No, I am physically. I feel fantastic. Never felt better. But I uh, mentally I'm in anguish. There's multiple reasons for that that I'll get into during the show. But uh, we'll talk about that more in We Are Stupid. But wow. let's, just, let's just do some news first. The news is the good part. The We Are Stupid just makes me hate myself. Oh, my God. Wow, I have no idea. I don't read the rundowns until we're live. So, like, yeah, I, that's, that's I like for to get best. it fresh. Yeah. yeah, just to stay away from it. It'll it'll stay fresh and you'll love it. All right. Let's talk news first. Quick studio update. Oh, we can't even do the studio update that quick because Friday was a big day. Last Friday was a big day in the studio. It was a big day in the studio. Uh, God, there's so many things. Uh, we, we announced a bunch of tour dates. We'll talk about that in a second. But the studio day was fucking great. We were going to record your character video. That was the original plan. I was going to come out to Jersey and do uh, the first character video. Um, but and it's good we didn't because my character has changed eight times since last Friday. See, that's why I don't want to. I don't want to rush this because <laughs> once it's locked in, I don't want you make, guys making too many changes. Uh, <laughs> But we had, we realized we had an opportunity to have our, our cinematographer for Gatewalkers, um, the camera assistant that he's going to be working with, uh, for all of this preliminary, preliminary stuff. You and I, Mick D 
and Skid and Matthew could come. And this was very important because we needed bodies in there to set up all our brand spanking new cameras, put on all our brand spanking new lenses, um, use some lights that we're, we're testing out, um, that our cinematographer has and kind of see if, if, if the idea is going to work or if we need to pivot. Um, and so we had to black out the windows and really kind of just make a mock. Uh, a mock set in there, throw some shitty tables together, and we, we got it all done. Uh, it took the whole fucking day, but I mean, we really were able to make some big, big decisions, um, that ultimately were, are holding up several other decisions. Like the certain things we couldn't do until we knew, like, are these lenses going to work? Uh, do we need to buy X more cameras? Uh, how, how big can the table be and whatnot? And, uh, so in that, in that respect, it was just a, a great day. We had a nice sushi lunch and then, uh, went out and had a beer at the end of the day. It was a good, good, Solid day of yeah. work. Good solid day and, and huge progress. It's basically the images that we saw were pretty close to what the final images of the show would look like. And so now we know what it's going to look like and we can actually move forward with getting you know the important stuff in there. Uh, not only the larger construction stuff, but also um, the rugs, the table, the audio equipment, the microphones. Like all of that stuff couldn't go in really until first the place is cleaned. And it's just brutal because I'm, I'm going in now to clean this place and uh, – <laughs> McD just keeps saying to me, I can't believe that they rented this place in this condition. Like, he, he can't believe it because <laughs> I guess it's something he just doesn't understand New York real estate. Uh, not that he, not that he doesn't understand. I'm sure he'd be like, yeah, not surprised at all. However, it's just like, this just doesn't happen places. And if I had to do, to do over again, I would never agree to take this place. And the reason is because they gave, they gave us a truly raw construction space. Like the, the, even the floors are unusable. So like we have to start by completely redoing the floors, which is brutal. And our poor cinematographer got cement dust all over his equipment. It was so bad. And so, yeah, he was just like, it's kind of like McDee was like, isn't it illegal to like sell, to rent a space in this condition? Like you can just be inhaling this like toxic dust. So like, I don't know, man, it's New York. You get what you can get. You just got to figure it out. Uh, so yeah, that's that stuff. Like we can't bring any of our equipment in until that's all done. And hopefully that's all done this week. So um, yeah, big week last week, another big week coming this week. And then I'm going to start feeling a lot better about where the about the shape the studio is in and our vision for what uh, it's going to look like when we actually do the show. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, that was the most exciting thing, because I've had this idea now for months, but like having an idea and seeing, well, can we make it work in the space that we got is a completely different thing. And I really didn't want to pivot too much from the idea. I mean, you have to make compromises all the time with this kind of stuff, but I was so happy to see that like we could pull it off and, and then some, um, with the space, which again, isn't, isn't huge. It's, it's much smaller than the old space, but this is meant to be a production studio, um, not a frat house. And so I think, uh, <laughs> in that respect, we are, we are good to go. And, uh, it was just fun to see like, you know, some early test shots without any like fancy, uh, lighting and, uh, set dressing and whatnot so it's cool yeah yeah it was it was really cool to uh to just do like a raw version of it um but that is that's going to be our in-house show that's going to be the you know our main podcast that we're recording in there but we're going to be heading out on the road around the time that we are starting to record gatewalkers in the background we're actually going to be heading out of town we talked about boulder last week but we announced a bunch of new shows since the last fodder one week ago uh talk to me about those shows and uh, where people should be buying tickets 
Yeah, we sure did. So Boulder is now less than a month away and awesomely almost sold out. Uh, that's going to be on Friday, April 21st. If you live anywhere near there, get those last few tickets. We want to sell out as many shows as possible. It makes it so easy uh, for us to come back once we sell them out. But the four new shows that we announced are going to be uh, May 25th. We're coming back to St. Paul, back to the Amsterdam. Uh, ticket sales have been very strong out of the gate, as I thought they would, because I said, hey, if we come back next year, we're going to sell it out again. And they said, yeah, and it looks like they are going to. So uh, please keep buying those ticks. Uh, plenty still available. It's only it hasn't even been on sale for uh, a week. And then two days later, we are going to Asheville. North Carolina, and I am so excited. I hear Asheville is the shit. We're going to be playing the Gray Eagle. Now, this is a new uh, area for us, and it's going to be our only show down south of the year. We're not coming to Atlanta this year for Dragon Con. Uh, we have no other plans right now for the south. So if you live in Florida, Atlanta, New Orleans, Mississippi. Except, except for the big Key West show. We, except, we're going to do yes. that huge Key West show, you know, topless, uh, you know, all of us on stage in just bathing suits, you know, that sort of vibe. But that one's invite only. So if you, the only one you can get a ticket to is this Asheville show. And this is a big deal for us because like when we try new markets, when we test new markets in, in, you know, this isn't like the main metropolis in North Carolina. Like we need the nation to show up. Uh, otherwise we get, we, it doesn't allow us to try out these new markets because we lose money. Um, so let's, let's keep those tickets still strong in Asheville, May 27th at the Gray Eagle. This venue looks insane. It looks like uh, a set out of Roadhouse. Um, <laughs> and then in June, uh, June 29th, which is a Thursday, we're coming back to LA, uh, the Terragram ballroom where we were last year. That was such a fun show. Um, and one of the best parts about that, I was saying it yesterday or, or two days ago when I was on, uh, in the employee lounge is all of Glass Cannon West comes out to the show. So like everyone that we work with, Jared and Ross and Nora and Mary Lou and Paula, like they're all going to be there. So if you come, especially if you have VIP, you get to hang out with everybody after the show or see them just chilling and it's always a fun time and it's a very important show for us because we now have very strong connections in LA as our star continues to rise and so we're going to be out there for a whole week wheeling and dealing being able to show off to all of our new people that like look at this packed audience in LA is big so please I know LA always waits to the last minute buying tickets don't wait let's sell this shit out just like the old bootleg days back at the bootleg theater Two days after L.A., we're going to be in Seattle on Saturday, July 1st, back at the Triple Door where we were last year. And that's our only Pacific Northwest show of the year. We're not coming to Portland. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to make it to Vancouver. So come on down, Vancouver. Come on up, Portland. Uh, this is going to be a, a fun show. It's not happening during PaizoCon, so we can actually stay in Seattle proper, which I'm excited about. Uh, and, uh, you know, always a good time. Uh, arguably, our best, uh, the best representation of the NACE is in the PNW. And I don't know why I'm always so mean to them because they're our best fans. They're the best. They're the best. Uh, I absolutely love it up there and can't wait to get back. Devastated to hear you say that we're not going to go to Vancouver. That that that's we're, we have to go to Vancouver. Who knows? I'm still booking October and November. If uh, something if Canada wants to play ball, come on, Trudeau. <laughs> Stop ducking Canada me. Canada wants to play ball. Canada was staring us down, and we called their bluff. Right. We checked the ball hard back at them. <laughs> Bounce, bounce, check. Check it back uh, at us. Man, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, okay, let's go. A couple quick more, a couple more quick items before we head into <laughs> We Are Stupid and Break Down uh, episode. What is this? Episode 68 of Strange Aeons? Is it? 
Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, it's episode right. 68 of Strange Aeons. Before we do that, though, Labs, man, we had a great session last week in Alien. I hope you guys got to see it. If you didn't, check out the VOD on Twitch. Man, it was so fun. It was awesome. And hopefully uh, returning in, uh, in May um, at this stage for more Alien. But uh, this week, there's no Labs. Labs is off this week. And then Labs is right now scheduled to return next week. We'll have more details on that game at the time. But it looks like it's going to be the first Labs run by Jared Logan. Our very own Jared Logan is going to mm-hmm. be taking up uh, the uh, the GM chair and running a Labs. So uh, stay tuned next week for more details on uh, on cast and, and, and uh, game and all that kind of stuff. What else do we got? Um, oh, should we talk about the um the chaosium uh deal that we have going in the works early early phases uh you know a little small little deal going on do you want to talk about a taste our good friends at chaosium we've been chatting with them about a little show called time for chaos season two um and uh while we were having those conversations they were like hey we are Really trying to push RuneQuest. Uh, would you guys like to do some RuneQuest? And we were like, fuck yeah, let's ruin it up. Uh, <laughs> let's so ruin it up. If, I like cutting off limbs. If you watched our, our, any of our Gen Con shows last year, maybe you caught the one that, uh, Brian Holland from Chaosium did some demos with. Was it you, Matthew, and then Josephine and Paul Nora, Deming? I think, uh, no, I think it was Nora. Uh, oh. Josephine. Oh, wait, no, you're right. It was Paula. It yeah. was Paula. Yes. Yeah. So if you caught Brian, he's just a, fen- he's just a great dude and a phenomenal GM and a great teacher of, uh, especially their games. Uh, although yeah. I'm sure he could teach. And he has a true well. passion for these games. He loves, loves genuinely these games so much. And he is the biggest RuneQuest fan. Like when we're on a call with him, you just get infected by his, his, uh, passion for RuneQuest. Yeah, you kind of want to go out and be like, maybe I get a couple box sets. It makes it sound so good I'm on <laughs> yeah, eBay. Totally. Um, looking for old copies of the original RuneQuest. Uh, but yeah, we're going to do a, a little series of RuneQuest, and I think you and I are going to play on it. Yeah, I think we're going to be players. Uh, Brian GMing it uh, mm-hmm. should be fun. Just a few episodes, just a little little taste. Uh, but yeah, as of now, the plan is uh, you know it'll stream live on Twitch. It'll be released in a podcast you can listen to. There's uh, it'll be on YouTube, all that stuff. So yeah, it should be a fun little kind of a one shot uh, that Chaosium wants to sponsor on the network. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it, it's a very different, unique system. You know what I mean? There are there are similarities to other Chaosium games, but the combat. Uh, the sort of deep, uh, deciding where you're hitting and what part of the body of combat, I think you're going to get way into. And you dabbled with it a little. Um, obviously I ran it for New Game Who Dis back in the day. People who love RuneQuest are way into it. So I'm, I'm yeah. going in like, just, I remember yeah, wanting to get it, into it. If I remember correctly, because I did three demos in like 90 minutes uh, during that session. And if I remember correctly, I really liked the magic, too. The magic system, it's kind of like gritty and you only have like a very small amount of magical resources that you can use. And it feels really intense. Uh, So, yeah, those I think they're called like runes or rituals or something. I can't remember. But runic magic is. Yeah, it's a very very complex system, Um, but it's cool. If you like crunch, um, bring some milk. We we love digging into that crunch. But also, I should say, like, just to give you guys an idea of the production schedules and the way that these things work, like, we're talking about this deal right now because we're pretty close to closing it all up and casting it and being ready to start recording and stuff like that. And my guess is you won't hear about it again from us for months, and I don't think you'll see it until July. 
Like, I think that's when it's going to air. So that's sort of like the timelines that we deal with with these production schedules to do a show right and to release it at a time that works for the production publishing companies and everything. It takes a really long time. Uh, so, yeah, this is just a tease to let you know this summer coming. This uh, summer. Little RuneQuest series that should be fun with Troy and I and uh, hopefully a couple uh, awesome performers. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen on the store, there's a, a new dice tray for sale, uh, a dice tray that is so sick and is so beautiful that, uh, yeah, I highly recommend you check it out. You can go to, uh, right to the web, Red Star website and look at it there, uh, or you can come to our website at glasscannonetwork.com and just search st- or hit the store, uh, button on the menu and it'll take you there. And you gotta, you gotta check this dice tray out. It's a nice mobile folding dice tray with the logo on it's gorgeous i highly recommend you check it out if you're looking for a new dice tray or a gift for a member of the niche do do you have one i do not i don't get any of the merch uh for free anymore because you won't allow it well i i have one (laughs) i know you do you have one of everything and it's pretty great yeah Uh, yeah, we just love these travel ones you know especially uh, now that people are uh, back hanging out with each other in person you travel in your buddy's house Fucking slip the slip the dice tray in your bag. Don't roll on the table like a plebe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick note on employee lounge streams last week I did end up playing some last spell I loved it I think everybody had a great time and uh, I'm looking forward to doing some, some more of that uh, as soon as I can get a chance you are still running through Dark Souls how did you make out with uh, uh, the was it the, the Great Hollow and uh, yeah I did that on Monday I did the Great Hollow and uh, Ash Lake yeah Ash Lake is, is just a, uh, a it's hydra kind of, it's just like an NPC meetup right well, if you do that quest line, which I haven't finished yet, so I got to fucking go back to Ashley. It's a whole thing. But I did the Great Hollow and I had like practice offline to make sure that I could get everything. This Great Hollow is just a pain in the ass. You got to make sure you get all the items while you're falling. And then you got to get all these crystal lizards. There's 10 of them. And I got all of them. It was, it was, a, it was wow. a fun stream. Yeah. Uh, but you have to like I quit and restart Dark the game. Souls through like five times. I think I've beaten it five times. And I have never come close to getting 10 crystal lizards in the Great Hollow. Because <laughs> like after I've gotten like seven or eight, I'm like, I'm done with this and i just <laughs> yeah, cuz you have leave. to quit and restart the game and then sometimes they appear and sometimes they don't right, so right. i did it all on stream it was it was fun um, <laughs> so yeah we're kind of getting into the end game there but it's a great it's a great release and uh i don't know we, we the, the crew that hangs out and watches that it's a really fun crew <laughs> A really special crew that enjoys that kind of torture. Um, that, that special kind of watching someone be tortured. Are you going to be doing the uh, Elden Ring DLC when it comes out? Oh hell yeah! But it's not yeah. coming out for a while, like a long yeah. time. Um, I'm glad about that because I want to like I might start a fresh game after all this and build my way back up to the DLC. We'll see. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a whole new run through of of Elden Ring. Um, oh, you did I tell you about that? Yeah, did I tell you about doing the? I'm going to do a Jimmer run. A Jimmer run. Oh, you do the character. Yeah. So I'm going to do like a pure strength, no magic, all kind of like I'm thinking two handed, heaviest weapons in the game kind of build, uh, yeah. like a strength 50 weapons. I never do that. And I also never go full magic, full magic. And I did that with the Gormley run and I had a blast. Let me I ask think you, that the, the, you, the strength run is going to be more challenging, but I'm curious to see how it goes. Oh, no, it won't be more challenging. It's, it's when you, if you go true strength, it, you'll be playing it on easy mode by the end. But the difference is you got to get up close. And so you got to make yeah. sure you go vitality as well. However, on your intelligence build, were you pure magic or could you have intelligence scaling weapons in case you wanted to do some melee? Yeah, that's what I did. 
I had, an, I had intelligence scaling. I had an intelligence scaling sword uh, that I would do for melee, but I very rarely did melee. I just mostly did um, uh, summon in, you know, Black Knife brought mostly or very rare, basically a tank, right? Summon in a tank. And then I would just stay back and blast and I just would melt bosses. The first true challenge that I came up against in that entire run was what's her name? Millennia. That was the first one that uh, I almost couldn't beat, like with the build. I almost had to like re respec because I lost like 30 times. Uh, whereas with my faith strength build, mm-hmm. uh, my paladin build, I beat Millennia like the third try. Uh, because she is weak to poise damage. So I could just knock her down. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. when I couldn't deal enough damage to knock her down as a caster, when she zeroed in on me and just closed and sliced me up, like there was nothing I could do. I was, I was a glass cannon. I was a true <laughs> glass cannon. And, uh, but eventually I got the, I had to go back into the game and get spells I didn't have. And I had to do all this shit to make it work, but I made it work and it was really fun. Uh, That's but cool. yeah. So yeah, I'm curious about that strength build. We'll get to that soon. Um, All right, let's get into a little We Are Stupid. We're already 20 minutes into this show, and we've got uh, plenty to talk about, I think. Uh, This is going to be a juicy one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Uh, first one out of the gate from our good friend, Professor Eric, and a huge thank you to Eric once again every week for going through and nitpicking. And this is what we love. We love nitpicking. Pull every little tiny thing out. There is nothing that is too nitpicky for us because ultimately we just want to know. And if it is something that we're, we're going to do that way anyway, we'll just do it that way anyway. It's fine. But we want to know. Um, first one that comes up is kind of a big one. It brings up news to me. At one point, Aldo, on his second attack, rolled a 13, which was a miss. And Eric is saying, by his math, there is no way that that wasn't a critical miss because of the ACs of these creatures. Even if it was flat-footed, he says. Even if it was frightened. He thinks it would have to be flat-footed and frightened, too, in order to not be a critical fail. And he doesn't think that's the case. If you critically fail, you do no splash damage. Mm. Which I'd never knew. I did not. I did not realize that. That's good. Um, yeah. Because I yeah. well, didn't. I prompt him and be like, "Is that supposed to be splash damage?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, splash damage." I'm like, "All right, so you still got the splash." I don't know if it was that occurrence, but I remember. No, I don't think like, it was that occurrence. I think we just took it in stride. It's like it should just be that way. But the thing that really bothers me is, <sighs> it killed the enemy. That was the killing blow. So, like, because it just happened to only have, like, two hit points left or three hit points left or something like that. So, you look back and you're just like, God, 
this is awful. And that's not why I'm sick to my stomach about this. We're going to get into that now. I I don't know what you're upset about. There's two things. One is nothing makes me more irritated than when you and I correct something on fodder and then happen to do it after an episode recording so that the next week the same problem keeps happening it just drives into my brain in such a horrible way that i'm sure it does for some listeners who are like how are you still getting this wrong (laughs) and so this entire week we still are not destroying mirror images on misses still really (laughs) yeah well because we recorded it before we recorded that we actually recorded it the night before we recorded that fodder and got all those updates so like it was so frustrating to listen to so that was one reason the next one is coming up and it's because and it's i cheated which i just hate and this is going to be a bad one you're going to hate this okay i'm ready the grapple on the yellow king my illusion Remember, you hated this the whole time, and I kept that guy out there. I know. I just don't want to upset you at a certain point, even though I don't like what you're doing. Well, we're going to talk about that more (laughs) in a second. We'll dig into that. But there is just, according to Eric, he's fine with the ruling. He thinks it's it's, different ways to go about this. However, the grapple on the illusory creature I if you strike the creature it immediately destroys it and he's saying you know the grapple we have to remember has the attack trait mm-hmm. and so even though he wasn't trying to harm or destroy the creature it still in essence is an attack so if the image is hit by an attack or fails a save the spell ends and he says the grapple has the attack trait we just I always forget that those things carry those traits so the funny thing is like I would say Oh, well, a grapple takes the multiple attack penalty, obviously, because it has the attack trait. But then my brain wouldn't also line that up for like, it is not an attack in the sense of trying to harm it. So it it wouldn't end the spell. And so I kept that creature around when I shouldn't have. And uh, and you were very mad the creature was around anyway, so it should have never happened. And it was like a whole round, which just sucks. It feels like cheating. I hate it. The next thing is, uh, now this goes back the other way is when you fail to disbelieve that illusion, it is the uh, ruling of Professor Eric. If he was in charge, <laughs> it is the ruling that that when the creature fails the role to disbelieve, he does not get another role to disbelieve unless something changes. Like unless something in this situation changes, either I do something with the character that is just so unbelievably not in that character's personality or something, or he said, if one of the other denizens disbelieves it and says like, yo, that shit's not real, dude. Like that can, that can be a quick way to get another free role. To but what disbelieve if he continues it. to attack it? Wouldn't each attack just trigger the will save? No, not if he misses. If he hits it, it's just destroyed. You know what I mean? Like it just it goes away immediately. So you have to. So it has an AC. I can't remember. Yes, it has an AC. All right. So as long as I hit it, it I had then get the chance to disbelieve. No, when you hit it, it is just destroyed. Okay, but when I interact with it, I think even if I miss, as long as it has the attack trait, it it I I have a chance to disbelieve it. No. Just the first time. And then you believe it's real. Unless you do something different. Like, if you keep attacking and keep missing, why would you think it's different than it was the time before? That I get, yeah. So yeah. I was I was just giving myself uh, the free chance to disbelieve it every time. 
Right. So, you know, he's like, usually with disbelieving, something has to change in order to get a new role on it. Uh, he liked our ruling that the creature attacking the, um, the guy and missing destroy, or I mean, hitting and then rolling on an image did destroy an image. Cause he was like, the, the illusory creature, while it is an illusion, it does have the ability to, to attack. It does have the ability to do damage. If you just go by the traits on the abilities versus the spell, he thinks it should destroy an image by raw. So yeah. that was good. It's um, like you can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I guess – and so this just brings me to my question. You got fired up again about illusions and I just want to bring it up because I think it's important. We have to understand. You're playing in a game with an illusionist. You need to get over this. Well, actually, that's not, that's not what I mean to say. What I mean to say is I want you to defend yourself. No, that's not what I want to say because that, that sounds like you're wrong already, even though you are. I do want you to explain and I don't want to judge you. Why you hate illusions so much? I hate them because in the grand scheme of the game, as I'm GMing, I'm trying to streamline what I have to do in order to tell a good story. And illusion magic adds a wrench into that because it, it, it's, it's, it, it, it by nature just allows a lot more well, a judgment call. And that's fine. That's part of being a GM is judgment call. But like when it's constant judgment call, it's just hard to like, uh, and I think we've been inconsistent with it for so long as well that it's hard to kind of settle on what, what do we decide on this? Um, so that, I guess that's why, because it even makes me do that. Whereas like when, uh, Matthew swings and misses, it's very easy to adjudicate. Whereas with illusion magic, I forget what we decided last time. And then it always seems different because you're getting more powerful as well. And I'm like, wait a minute, last time I just hit it and disappeared. And you're like, no, no, this is illusionary, blah, blah, blah. It's a seventh level spell. What the f- I can't keep up with this shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's why. It's just because there's a lot more. It's a tiresome nature of adjudicating every time and not having a crystal clear, like, yeah. Uh, way to just go about it. I, I get it. I get it. Uh, I, I think that I wanted to build an illusionist because we've never had one in our games and nobody ever builds an illusionist. And uh, I think that it has rare and minor, uh, not minor impact. It has rare, solid impact. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of times I'm just doing telekinetic projectile or uh, shooting off a lightning bolt. You know what I mean? So the times when illusions really work, I think are a little bit more rare. And so I understand the frustration of having to adjudicate, but I think that they spice up the game for me in an interesting way rather than just being a blaster, you know? Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm really nitpicking. I just have to like come to a conclusion about it and then we know exactly how to do it. But I don't think about it at all until we're, we're in the moment and then I'm like, bah, and we're live. We don't edit these things. Uh, yeah. But you know, I'll tell you, I've been diving back into the core rule book a lot and I've been uh, really just reading it page for page. Very dry. Yeah, you sent out that email the other day with all the page listings of like where explaining each of the skills, explaining blah, 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 and you sent it out to everybody and you were like, you should be rereading this because this stuff comes up every single week. Yeah, it's 78 pages out of the core rule book. I'm like, you just really need total pages, 78 total pages out of almost 700. I was like, these are the ones that you need to be reading all the time. So at night now, I just sit with the book. And so I was reading about illusion magic. And, uh, you know, for me, it's just like, once the character disbelieves it, that should be the end of the story. Now, there is there is gray area with that as well. The, the uh, 
example they use in the book is like, if you push someone through an illusory door and they fall through an illusory door, but they fail to, they've now interacted with it, but they roll the will save. If they don't disbelieve it, even though they know there isn't a door there, they still can't see through it because they think something is, there's like a mind eye connection that isn't working. And I like that. I love that expression, but I think like it's, it's what triggers the check to disbelieve that you and I just have to be on the same page. And I think we're just in our discussion earlier. I think we're, we're figuring that out. But once he disbelieves, it's almost like that, that's almost the end of the story. Although there are exceptions to that as well. Yeah. I think disbelieving is pretty much the end of the story. I mean, think of it, this is the way that I think about it. Don't think about it in the context of illusion. Think about it in the context of all spells. Mm -hmm. If you roll a natural two, you should be penalized for that. You rolled a natural two on the yeah. save to the illusion. If you rolled a natural two to the save on Phantasmal Killer, as another action, you don't just get another free save. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, you failed it, dude. It's over. And so illusion needs to be the same way. Now, the difference is that maybe you can creatively create a reason you could get another save. And I think that that's kind of fun. But I do think that, for example... If there's a big pit that's put in front of you and that pit is an illusion and you roll to disbelieve it and you believe it, then that needs to – you can't like – just because you as the GM know it's not there, you can't come up with another reason to think like it's it can't be there. You just – you as the character, you have to be like, oh, no, it's there. This magical spell just put an actual pit there and find a way to work around it. And that all that – usually all it does is buy a round. And that's what most of these spells – that's what you want. You want right. to buy a round, you know? And I think I'm being pretty good about like, all right, I'm going to attack this creature. You know, I'm, I, yeah. you're, you're eating those rounds. And so don't um, forget that sometimes even if it seems like you're only getting one round of me not attacking you guys or your allies, that's huge. Yeah, um, no, I think all I want my target nine times out of 10 is one round. In fact, I think that, you know, arguing on your side, I think it's kind of tough that uh, – that you only got one round out of the suggestion with Suki as, as the giant bear. Well, I did get started this and he knows it, you know, nobody wants to play along that that's up to the player. I, you know, I, I can't be like, guys, I really want you to play the game. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you really, I, and I understand suggestion sucks. You don't want to be out for X amount of rounds but and you like, don't want to look stupid. You don't want to look stupid. And I, I get that, but that's part of the give and take of balance of the game. Because when you don't follow my suggestion, now I'm going to do something you're really not going to like um, to kind of punish you for not um, playing, playing right. along. But if I you always buy say in, that like, yeah. sorry, I, was, I, I always say that like what we do, especially for actual play, is like a wrestling match. It's like a WWE wrestling match. We all need to understand that this is part of the show. You know, there's a, a great moment in the, in the Colonel Luther in, in Raiders of the Lost Continent where Colonel Luther goes off alone and is attacked by a much more powerful creature. And like in that moment, I'm thinking like, okay, Skid's probably, he has the opportunity to kill me here. What are we doing here? We're doing the dance. We're, we're putting on a show. It's the main event of WrestleMania. We're putting on a show here. He, I, I understand there are real stakes, but like you got to sell it. You've got, really got to sell it for the audience. And so if I cast suggestion and you don't want to play along, you've made your decision. That's fine. But now I'm going to bring the hammer and uh, to kind of make up for the round or two that I was supposed to get from suggestion. I'm going to hurt you. 
Right. And, and that happens the, in and wrestling. And on, <laughs> right. And on the other end of things, it's like if you take that suggestion and say as the bear, you're like, you know, you spend a whole round looking for honey and it's not there. And then you spend another round scratching at the walls and then you're like, there's nothing here. Like you'll be rewarded for that. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to then exactly. punish and kill all their allies because they spent two rounds uh, under the suggestion. I, I, yeah, it's a WWE match is a really great uh, uh, metaphor for what this all is because I, I I didn't do much I didn't <laughs> I didn't do much wrestling I didn't watch as much wrestling as you I wasn't as into it as you but uh, I got to tell you I thoroughly enjoyed watching Glow Did you ever watch Glow I watched like the first two episodes Yeah I really enjoyed watching Glow and one of the things that they made clear in that show is like. While some things are kind of loosely scripted, like it is a lot of improv. It's a lot of like feeling each other out in the moment and just deciding what's the best way to end this fight. Like now there isn't, we don't go in deciding the winner every time. You know what I mean? So like it's, it's neat and a fun way to think about role playing games. Yeah. You call it on the fly a lot, but yeah, this, you're making me think of something like I think in our game or certainly the way we started out, there was this competition between the GM and the players. Giant Slayer very much felt like that because that's the sort of atmosphere that I created. And that's carried over into a a lot of the games that I GM, even though a lot of it is just for show. I think that that feeling is still there. I wish we could move away from that. And because like, if I cast mind control on you and now you're attacking your allies, I want you to like fail that save and be so fucking psyched that you now get to play that. And that's not what happens in our games. And it's not a, a criticism of any uh, anyone in particular. It's just like there is this like fear of survival that kicks in, of you're too precious about the PCs that you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm going to use your my – Or your allies. Or your allies. You don't want like, to be responsible in a way for hurting your allies. And you don't want to look like you're enjoying it. To somebody that's going to die, you know, I think that, yeah, you're not blaming us, but we also are the majority in the landscape of tabletop RPGs. But I agree with you that, like, we need to be better. You got to lean into that. It makes for such a better show. One of the reasons Haunted City uh, is so wonderful is like Ross and uh, Josephine and Abu love being put in horrible situations. (laughs) Like yeah. they thrive and putting off each other in horrible situations. They thrive off of it. And like in 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 games like D&D and Pathfinder, I think there's this fear. It's like all about self-preservation of a fictional character. You really it would you make for such a better show when you just lean into the adversity. If you lean into the adversity, I'm not going to double down. You know, sometimes I will because I think that's best for the story, but like what I'm going to do is like I'm going to play along with you. We're going to sell this match together. If you're just like, "Ah, fuck, I don't want to do this." You're 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 changing the script. Yeah. You're 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 no budding instead of yes ending. Yeah. Yep. I mean, everything that you say sounds great to me. Your honeyed words are uh, are charming me, but it is in the moment. It is difficult it's and hard. it's difficult for groups, you know, and it's it is it's hard. But yeah, I think we could I think we could be better. And we do. I, I think Matthew's great at that. You know, Matthew, to me, never feels precious about his characters and is very much so. Uh, embraces failure in a way that not not too many of us do. Um, 
but he also likes to nitpick at like little mathy things and stuff to just like try to get every way around things too. So yeah, it's it's tough. It's just a, a mixture of personalities. Matthew and I don't see eye to eye on anything, but I think he's the <laughs> best at that. He's the yeah. best at just yes anding and rolling with the punches, and that's probably why so many of his characters have died. And why so many of his characters are so beloved, yeah. right? Because like they go through this adversity, they face it head on, they embrace it. It's it's great for story. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that because I think there's a whole post on the subreddit right now about how in re-listening to Giant Slayer, Matthew is the true hero of the story because he's constantly uh, putting himself on the line and putting his characters' lives on the line to try and help other people. <laughs> um, but it's – dude, it, it is. It's definitely easier said than done, but – and I hope everybody listens to Cannon Fodder and takes this to heart because I've been sending you guys lots of like emails like, let's do this, let's do this, let's just kind of hype people up. I want to just get it out of our system because I want this next show uh, and and the continuation of the tour to be something totally different and to kind of throw away the, the the baggage of the past and move on to something better, the best that we can do. A few more items and then we'll wrap up. Um I asked a question during the show that Professor Eric has answered for me. Do all large creatures have reach, like native reach? I was curious. It came up uh, when Suki as the bear was going to attack something 10 feet away. And I was like, do you need to look up if a bear has reach? You know, like, and he said the uh, Professor Eric said the answer is no, not all large creatures have reach. It needs to be explicitly stated in the stat block, which in this case it is for animal form. It does have, it says 10 feet reach. And so Suki was uh, well within her rights to use it but um there's a, a table nine one in the core rule book lists the general expectation for different sizes which distinguishes distinguishes between tall versus long large creatures long large creatures i think generally uh do not have reach i don't know which one's which but yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm looking it needs at a... to say reach you don't just assume because it has uh because it takes up a 10 foot square that it can attack 10 feet away yeah and you, you should also assume that all appendages have reach uh, I think as well, because if you look at the entry for like a, troll, a claw or a tentacle could have reach and a bite could not. Right. Possibly. Now, looking at a troll here, uh, CR5, it, jaws have reached 10 feet. Claw has reached 10 feet. And it's right after its other properties like finesse, agile. It just tells you if it has reach. But I'm sure there are some I, – I shouldn't say I'm sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if there are some large creatures or huge or gargantuan that have X amount of reach for certain appendages but not for all. Yeah, good thing to keep an eye out for. It's like a weapon property, basically. We also had some questions come up about persistent damage. This is something that we've been facing week in and week out now on the show. A a good summary here from Professor Eric on a few things that I didn't know. Healing, uh, and I knew this at one time, and when I read it, I remembered. When I read his note, I remembered. Healing to full hit points automatically stops bleed. Yeah. So like in the previous version uh, in 1E, any magical healing stopped bleed, but in this one, you have to go to full HP. Um, the other note here is we asked about, well, if you don't – does persistent damage just keep going and going and going if you don't roll uh, a flat check of DC 15, like, until you die? Like, what happens when the combat's over? And uh, he brought out a, uh, a, a line from page 621 of the core rulebook. Persistence damage runs its course and automatically ends after a certain time as fire burns out, blood clots and the like. The GM determines when this occurs, but it usually takes one minute. So generally speaking in the game, it's a good uh, a good base to start at is 10 rounds uh, after you've uh, taken this persistent damage. If you can't get that flat check, it just still ends on its own. Well, that's interesting. Though. So a combat ends after six rounds. 
should I then make you roll four more flat checks and grind the game to a halt? Or do you I should if different? there's an immediate encounter coming next or, you know what I mean? If you Let's know say there isn't, but like if healing is a limited resource, obviously it's less limited now than it was in one E and there's four rounds left, but I don't want to go through the whole flat check, flat check, flat check, D6 damage, D6 damage, D6 damage. However, Doing so means you might lose another 18 hit points, which means now you've got to find another resource for healing. I'm trying to figure out how to marry those two things. Like I don't want to go through the flat checks, but if you do, if you were to fail four more and lose 18 more hit points, now you've got, you might go into the next battle 18 down. I don't know how to do that. And if I don't do it, cause I'm like, ah, it doesn't matter. I'm telegraphing to you that there isn't another relevant encounter coming up this day. Agreed. It is a tricky situation. It yeah. is, it's no good for a show to roll four flat checks and and roll the damage each time, right? Let's say it's D8 persistent. Yeah. It's like roll a D20, roll a D8, roll a D20, roll a D8, roll a D20. It doesn't have the same like, oh, oh no, each time. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Maybe you just do one flat check to be like the remainder of the rounds come down to this one flat check. This is it. If you fail, you're, you're going to get four D6 damage. <laughs> like, right. That's just brutal. It's, it is brutal, but like, the yeah, that's something to yeah. think about you know yeah i know there, there, there are ways you can automate it obviously some of the vtts we're playing with it automates it for you and it rolls the uh recovery check automatically um, but that still takes time uh that i don't want to waste but i also want and even 10 rounds is we're kind of pulling that number out of one minute is kind of the standard but what if you're X amount of hit points away from death. Now we've got to stay in round order so that the person who can heal can come up and stop that. And what if they fail? So I guess there's dramatic moments to do it, but let's assume that 80% of them aren't dramatic, but it still could affect the game. <laughs> I don't know, man. We used to do off-air healing. Do we have to do off-air persistent damage checks now? Maybe. Maybe. That might just that be strange. <laughs> must be something that gets edited. Yeah. That's a tough question. That's a tough question. It's, it's definitely something to think about. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> Write in. See, tell us what you think. Uh, and you too, Professor Eric. I know that you're going to check in on this. Uh, he, he didn't, a lot of times he also offers like opinions on, on what he would do, yeah. uh, at, you know, at a PFS table or some such. Uh, let us know, you know, how, how do you think about it? Cause Eric also does a great job, I feel, of thinking about it like a show. He's like, I know this is a show and I would do this differently because it's a show. So, uh, yeah, see, see if you, if you came up, uh, can come up with a solution we haven't thought of. That's going to do it for me, buddy. The, the, those are all my notes. Um, do you have anything that wasn't else? so bad? Did you, you want to talk about, sick. uh, I just, <laughs> it makes me sick to talk about. I, I hated because there were, there are two big things because I listened to the episode. And that's what makes me sick is because it's over and over again. We're not destroying images over and over after a published fodder where we said we knew that this was the rule. Right. And it just it, it just bothers me. And then the other one was to know that that image should have been destroyed and that he was around for an entire round that you were belly aching the whole time that he was around and that I kept reinforcing that he <laughs> should be around and that it's great that he's around. And I was wrong the entire time. And so listening <laughs> to myself do that, it just, it makes me sick to my stomach. I hate it's it. It's good to listen to yourself though, because then oh, yeah. you're like, why am I, why am I doing this? Why do I, you know, oh, for everybody, dude. not just you. I will especially. throw myself, I will throw myself fully, <laughs> fully under the bus. Let's go back two weeks, episode 67 uh, of Strange Aeons. I definitely need to throw myself under the bus based on our conversation today about, you know, getting mad and all that stuff. It's so hard for me. You know, it's so difficult for me not to. It's just in my blood. <laughs> it's in my Irish rage blood. I am a barbarian in real life. 
and uh, I it's it's not it's not so much antagonistic against you as much as it is dice, right? Just dice rolls. I hate when the random luck uh, just does not go my way. It really it irks me sometimes. <laughs> and in this case. Uh, it was a lightning bolt. It was a lightning bolt that went through two of your guys. They lined up. I was so excited. It was like the rare chance that I can use a great lightning bolt. I burst it off and you rolled like a 37 or 38 on the save, which is a critical save. You just take no damage. And the other one rolled like a 31 or something like that and took half damage. And, uh, it was just, it just caught me at a bad time and I was just in a bad mood and I was tired and it was late and I was just like, Fuck you, Troy. Like, <laughs> and it was so, when I was listening back to it, I was like, I really landed that K. Like, <laughs> that was a little much, a little much for the moment. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, note to self, dial it back a little bit. Uh, just because, you know, you wanted to do more damage than you did. There's no reason to throw around hard F bombs at your good friends. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Let me put you on the hot seat without making you mad. I, I want to give you a chance to, uh, respond to this. You, you've seen a lot of people chatting about they, and some people just completely disagree with this, um, that you drive too many other people's actions and people's characters. Um, I want to give you a chance to to respond to this um, because I think it's a super fine line and I think maybe sometimes you do and sometimes it may seem like you do when you're not. And so there's just this like bias that you get blamed. And I get blamed for that shit all the time uh, too. It's like there's this bias even when I'm not doing the things that people complain about, they complain about it because there's this bias. But I want to – I think this might be an interesting discussion because I saw it was a big topic on the boards recently. Um Legacy, maybe a yeah, little I, bit, and uh, Strange Aeons as well. Legacy and Strange Aeons. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think back to the episodes that aired um, and and what might they might be talking about. I, I haven't seen these things. But, I mean, I think it's – I haven't seen the boards. But I think it's safe to say for myself, like, this, this has been – a problem, quote unquote, you know, my, my entire <laughs> life. It's like, you know, like I'm just a person that says, you know, what I think <laughs> when I want to help you or the situation. And I think that, um, I, that gets me into trouble all the time. You know, I'm, I'm just a very, like, I want to be involved. It is hard yeah. for me to sit back in all walks of life. And just like let people do things that I don't agree with. It's just very difficult for me. Yeah. And tabletop role playing really highlights it in a bad way because most of the time you should not be doing any such thing. And, and these characters should be doing whatever they want. And even if it's a bad decision or a bad situation, it creates great story. It creates drama. It creates conflict. If everybody just, you know, it's like when you, when you look, I, one of my favorite, I think it was, can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was David Winters. I was talking to somebody about um, how much I loved Pandemic when that first came out, that board game. I was like, never played a game like this, like a really good cooperative board game. Uh, and they were just like, yeah, I mean, it's a good game. It's a well-designed game. But the problem is it really just usually ends up being someone telling everybody else what to do, <laughs> the person that knows the game the most. And that's why I'm not like a huge fan of cooperative games. And I was like, yeah, I can I can kind of see that. Like, I, I get that. I get that perspective. And so when it comes to tabletop RPGs, yes, it's better to to ease off. In my defense, what I'll say is a lot of the times what you're hearing is me double checking that people even know the rules or the situation 
before they're making these decisions. Like, I think that there's times that people are making decisions with imperfect information. They're not aware that what they're doing, that they had another option or that they, that that rule doesn't work that way or whatever. And I bring that to their attention and knowing that they change their objective. And I can absolutely see audience members being like, I don't like that. I wanted them to do the first thing because it would have killed them. And I want to see more people die. Like, I, I get that. I get that. But like, that's usually when I think that it is warranted and okay and like when my fellow players don't mind it I I guess Um, but yeah I mean when the players uh, you know I I just when people make a bold rash decision that's going to put themselves and everyone else in harm's way Matthew does that all the time and I don't I don't like make him change his action. It's because I know Matthew knows what he wants to do and he knows the options and he's choosing this one. And if you give Matthew another option, he'll definitely not take yours. Just out of spite. (laughs) Oh, no, 100%. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the the short answer is, like, you got to do it less, but it is a fine line and it is not an absolute. Like, people need help at the table, too. You need to help people play the game sometimes. And when I've been playing it a lot longer, and it isn't just strategy. It's also just rules, you know, basic rules, knowledge. And and also, I think that there's a little bit of in-character stuff, too. Right. I think if I'm thinking of the the thing that probably came up in Legacy, it's like if a character does something that is asinine (laughs) in the basic, basic battle strategy of any known basic battle, uh, um, you know, that any basic battle character would know is a bad strategic idea. If I say that in character, my character being a soldier and an expert in battle and says, get back over here, don't expose yourself and all of us to harm in, in that way. What, my character can't say that <laughs> because their character said it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, that, that's also a fine line. It's like, what can you say in character, out of character? But yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And I wish that I, uh, I wish that I never said anything, but th- sometimes hard, I man. listen back to shows and I think, if I didn't say anything, this show would be so fucking boring because no one would speak unless it was their <laughs> turn, which is just lame at yeah. my table. I don't like tables like that. I like everybody getting into the thick of it. I like a lot of raucous talk yeah. about everything everyone's doing. I like good reactions. You know what I mean? I, and I and I agree that like the best part to cut out of that is you saying, don't do that. Your your character wouldn't do that. That's a dumb and stupid thing to say. And I know that sometimes I cross into that. And it's just about weeding that out. Uh, but, you know, we're imperfect people. It's hard, man. It's real hard. It's hard to sit there sometimes be like, that is uh, – you just know, like, that is a bad idea. Or there are so many better ideas out there. Like, how do you not – I see it too. I'm just like, why did you do that when there's a much cooler thing you could do there? Yeah. But it is a, it is a really tricky fine line. And, you know, we have the benefit of like, we're all friends around the table, but even our relationships are, are very, very different. You know, people always like to say, and I see this a lot of times in like Patreon exit surveys, which I read every single day, seven days a week. I read, why are people deciding not to no longer be a subscriber. And I see this all the time. It's like, this started out as four friends at the table, and now it's just a bunch of actors or something like that. And I can't help but think, it never started out as four friends at the table. It started out as a couple of friends and a couple other people that were friends of friends. You yeah, know? that were gamers that the, we didn't know that well. Right. And didn't know how they play, you know? It, 
It was never this, this never started out as four friends around the table. They're people that became friends, but even those relationships, uh, between, uh, person A and B and A and C and A and D and B and C and B and D, like, are wildly different and varying levels of closeness. And, uh, so I always, that's just kind of like a side comment that makes me think of this. Like, did we become friends? Sure. But it's a lot more, there's a lot more nuance and complication than that. Well, likewise, like your relationship with Nick, is much more different than your relationship with uh Sydney, for example. Do you know what I mean? Like, so the way you might approach a, a Nick drive, uh, trying to drive Nick is going to be different from the way you might uh backseat uh, play one of Sydney's characters. And uh, it, it all has to do with these relationships. It's a very complicated thing. Anybody that plays this game understands that relationships at the table are, are they're very protean they're constantly changing and <laughs> we're figuring this out yeah. as we go along but I, I don't know i think you tread a good line and and the fact that you sometimes go over the line is what makes your personality uh such a rich part of the show experience you know what i mean beyond the game and the story and the people who love that love that dude there are people yeah. that hate me but still listen to everything we put out you know because they <laughs> right. love matthew or they love you or they love skin there's people that don't like there's not many people that don't like Matthew, but let's say there's a couple of people that don't <laughs> was, like Matthew. You know, I always felt that way back in the day. I was always like, man, Matthew must have such a great time reading the subreddit. <laughs> like, I love never a good, bad word. Never a bad word about Matthew. I love seeing a good Matthew, Matthew dig come in. It's like, fucking tired of this guy. I'm like, finally! Tired of Matthew backseat driving Joe's character. <laughs> finally, they see what I see. No, but... Uh, it's, 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 it's a very complex thing, but I think that's what makes us so, so unique and so different is like we're, we're there's a lot of strong personalities and that's what makes this show rich beyond the stories that we, that we tell. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to have strong personalities. You know, it's, it's, it's like when, uh, you, we heard complaints. Uh, I, I promise this is not about sports, uh, as much as it is about teams. Like when you hear complaints that your quarterback, uh, or in your professional team is quote unquote arrogant. You know, I'm always like, who do you want at quarterback? You want somebody that isn't unbelievably, ridiculously confident in themselves and their abilities? Like, do you want somebody who's like, yeah, I'm really not sure what I'm doing. Could you help me? Like, that's not what you want at quarterback. Uh, so it, it is, it's a fine line. You got to take the good with the bad. You know what I mean? Like, there's definitely some bad. I'm not saying that, like, I couldn't always improve. And there are times when I listen to these episodes and I just cringe. I cringe at things that I said or did uh, in the moment, you know, whether it's backseat driving or just overall talking too much. I just shut up a little bit more. But I get excited. But I play, I get excited. I get fired up. You know, that's what it is. And here's one more point before we get out of here. Because now that you mentioned Nick, I'm remembering a specific example where uh, <laughs> I feel like Nick was going to – it was my opinion that Nick was going to put himself in such unbelievable danger. Like classic Nick – death cleric danger where when i was running the game as his cleric he did the same exact thing and he died immediately and and uh, the whole party was just like why did you do that you know? <laughs> and so he did the same exact thing and uh i i waved him off and i'm sure that people were upset about this but let me ask you those of you that were upset about it i want you i want to ask you this question if he went out and exposed himself to this unbelievable danger and then was surrounded and trounced and put down because he has no, you know, his character has no armor, has no ability to defend herself and is just bam, 
put down and we are you know, whatever i'm 60 80 feet away i'm not really a healer i've got other problems you know dealing with there um and my character decides to not go help because i'm dealing with this thing over here like do you think that like your next argument would be Joe really needed to go help Nick. And this is Joe's a real bad player and a bad friend at the table. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, well, where's the line? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, like can I play this way that I want to play and see that Nick is punished, you know, in his way for the thing that he does? Or do we all just like scramble around like, ah, because one person did something silly? You know, it does cross over into that area where like, when you're like you're at a PFS table, right? Like, and if somebody does something that other people are like, you're going to risk all of our characters' lives, they'll be like, "Don't do that! What are you doing?" <laughs> and people don't like that, and I understand why why people don't like that. But it's tough because then it's like, okay, so then we all have to ruin our game because one person made this decision, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like you have to make your case and be like, "Just want to throw this out there. If you do that, you might die." And then they could be like, "Fuck it, I don't care." Be like. I at least said it and now I can sleep tonight. 100% of the time. I, 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 you know what? I'd like for people to pull for me the argument where I said it a second time. You know what I mean? Like where I said it, where I said, uh, uh, don't you want to be here so that you could flank? And they said, you know what? No, because of this. And even if I didn't agree with it, where I said, no, don't do that. You need to flank here because I need to do this in this round. Like, Show me the time that that happened. <laughs> Usually it's me being like, you should try this. And then being like, you know what? Yeah, I, I am going to do that. And then people are like, you're driving all the characters, um, which I which I just I don't get it in that situation. Yeah. It's like uh, letting people know the options. But yeah, if you if they say, oh, I'm aware, Joe, shut up. I'm doing this anyway. And it's going to maybe kill me and maybe kill multiple characters. I'm fine with it. I really am. It's just it's not about being precious about characters. It's just about. You know, are, are, do people know the options that they have, you know, before they start diving into uh, ones that don't make any sense to me? We would not have a network without Joe Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree with that. <laughs> and with that, we'll close it up. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Troy, thanks for putting me on the hot seat at the <laughs> end there, you son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, I think we should do more fodders where we just point out flaws in each other's personality that yes. uh, have little to do with the game <laughs> and are just about how you were born. Uh, really, really makes you feel good to start your day. All Things right. one can't fix through years of therapy. Let's talk about it on Cannon Fodder. <laughs> Let's talk about it on Catapotter. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Have a good one. Let's all try to be better uh, as people and as players and as GMs. Uh, until next time, have a good one, everybody. Bye. Woo! Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? 
Well, we dove deep into the Empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.